Hey friend, are you swamped with scheduling, bogged down by bookings, or overwhelmed with managing your social media? This message is for you. I would love to introduce you to my secret weapon, StyleSmart VA. This is a company of virtual assistants literally designed by hairstylists for hairstylists. I found them through an interview right here on the podcast, and then shortly after found myself booking a discovery call because I was drowning in administrative tasks and needed help. It's been a few months now, and I can't tell you how much my VA has changed my life. No joke, friends. I am such a believer in StyleSmart VA that I decided to bring them in as an episode sponsor here on the show. Listen, as creatives, our focus should be on the clients and our craft. And now that I have my virtual assistant, I can devote more of my time to exactly that. The beauty of hiring a VA through StyleSmart is that they come to you already trained and able to seamlessly step into your business. From managing appointments and client communications to handling your social media presence, StyleSmart virtual assistants free you up to concentrate on your clients. And that's a change your clients will notice and appreciate. I mean, can we say elevating your perceived value? So when you're ready to level up in your business and take some weight off your shoulders, head on over to StyleSmartVA.com and book a free discovery call today. You'll also find the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. StyleSmart VA, empowering beauty professionals to focus on what they do best. Welcome to the Your Hair Mentor Podcast, the podcast where we explore all things hair and beauty. I'm your host and your hair mentor, Crystal Green, and I'm here to guide you through the ever-changing landscape of the beauty industry. Are you a hairstylist looking to stay ahead of the game? Or perhaps you're a hair enthusiast wanting to up your hair game? Well, you've come to the right place, my friend. As an expert hairstylist with over 20 years behind the chair, I've seen it all. From the latest trends to timeless classics, I'm here to bring you insider knowledge that will keep you ahead of the curve. But don't worry, I'm not just here to preach about the latest hair fads. I'm funny, I think, lighthearted, and not afraid to tell it like it is. Whether it's calling out industry myths or sharing hard truths about the realities of the beauty industry, I'll bring you the unfiltered truth. We're sharing the tea, people. So sit back, relax, and get ready to elevate your hair game to the next level. The Your Hair Mentor podcast is for all hair enthusiasts and beauty lovers out there. Let's get started. Well, howdy doody, neighbor Rooney. Welcome back for another episode of the Your Hair Mentor podcast, where I am your host and hopefully your hair mentor, Crystal Green. Now, in this week's episode, I'm going to share an interview I did with someone that honestly I stumbled upon online. It was in my like explore feed page on Instagram. You know how it just shows you like random stuff. And I came across this, um, this person, this man, Andrew, with most of my feed, by the way, I know we all have different feeds, but mine looks like a bunch of uh, hairstylists doing hair, uh, some interior design, some funny family things, and then like a few animal videos. And so amongst all of that, there's this guy and he's talking and I'm like, who's this? Like, why is this on my explore page? And so I click on it and immediately I am sucked in because 
Andrew has this like really captivating voice and it's not just his voice, but it's like the cadence in which he speaks. It almost makes you speak a little slowly, right? And just thinking about him makes me kind of slow down, breathe a little bit because that's part of his whole shtick um, and kind of focus on I guess how you're talking and how you're breathing. And anyway, I was just like captivated by him. And so I watched a few of his videos and he is uh, speaking to mostly people in the beauty industry. And he's like a life coach uh, who teaches people how to, I guess, become their best selves um, and specifically beauty professionals. And he's even branched into most recently Um, coaching educators within the industry and people like me who are speaking to other people and sharing information. And so anyway, he's just a great resource um, who, and he's doing really fun things. And so I asked him to come on the podcast and um, have a chat with me. And so that's what we did. And it was fantastic. And I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Um, Please excuse the dog noise in the background there. I think my dogs just saw a squirrel. And so on that note, I'm going to go load them up in their crates and get you onto the interview with Andrew. Um, Well, Andrew, I don't actually know a lot about you. Um, So I would love to hear a little bit about you and what you're doing in terms of business and professionally. Um, Now that I know a little bit about your your lifestyle, I'd like to hear a little more about, um, yeah, professional Andrew. Okay. Well, I started, I did start as a hairdresser way back in, in 1998. Yes. 98 was, it was the summer of 98 that I became a hairdresser. <laughs> back um, in the 1900s. That's how the young kids say it these right. days. Yeah. <laughs> so all of us old people that were yeah. around back in the 1900s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I did hair for a big portion of my career, 2016. When we moved here to um, Oregon, that that was my shift away from doing any you know, hair at the salon at all. But at that point, I was still teaching a lot of hair. So throughout my career, most of my focus, um, you know, of course, I had my in-salon hairdressing clientele. But a big portion of my focus throughout most of my career has been education. I taught for T.G. and Tony and Guy and taught for Paul Mitchell, the schools, um, taught for Sam Villa. And during that process, I also trained as a coach. And that's what kind of got me to where I'm at today is I also kind of worked as a coach on the side along with the hairdressing and the teaching and all of that stuff um, for the last 14 years. So now my focus is purely on coaching. Um, I do some just general coaching like that would fit into the category of just life coaching. But I would say more and more of my time is focused on um, I work with a lot of leaders, I work with a lot of like salon owners or salon leaders. With them, I'd say most of what I work with them on is um, how to become more heart focused leaders and uh, especially on communication and connection and things, things of that nature. 
And I'm also working a lot more with educators um, and other coaches, which that has really become, I think, the big passion now is um, especially because my background is education and coaching. And I, and I was a salon leader for a bit. I did own a salon for a bit, but um, it's not necessarily what I loved. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's not my bigger, biggest part of my passion. So of course the part of my career that I was most passionate about was education and coaching. And so of course, working with other educators and coaches, I think that that's where I'm feeling super energized right now. Mm-hmm. And when you started uh, coaching, were you coaching hairstylists or were you coaching salon owners? Like when it was kind of a baby business? When when I first started my coaching business, I was, I was actually working with everyone. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I had a fitness coach that I was working with. I had a, a stay-at-home mom that I was working with. Because at that point, I was just like, I'm a life coach. That's mm. that's what I do. And the woman who taught me how to be a coach, and I went through her coaching courses, she really taught us a, a style of coaching that was like, I don't really have to have any level of expertise in what I'm going to coach you on, because that's all within you. My job is specifically to help you get to where you want to be, but it's your answers. So my entire skill set was really just how to ask good questions and be present for people as they figured out their own life. So yeah, back then it was, I mean, of course I had some hairdressers because I work with hair, other hairdressers, mm-hmm. but I, I worked with, I've worked with quite a few different types of people over time. Um, currently, I'd say mm, I probably only have a few people that are hairdressers most of the people i work with are either salon owners or have some type of position of leadership within the salon um i have worked with other business owners too that i've connected with also through the industry um and same thing with like the educators that i've worked with i have worked with a couple independent coaches that they were working towards becoming um they were on their first steps, like you were saying, kind of baby coaches of mm-hmm. what what is coaching and what does that look like for me? So I've been, I have worked with a couple people that just were getting into coaching too. Okay, wow. Um, so when you moved in 2016, is that when it was just like a new time, new space, and you didn't want to like rebuild a clientele again. So that seemed like a natural kind of progression to not work behind the chair. Or was it like, I'm moving because I don't want to work behind the chair anymore. I'm curious (laughs) about like, what made you finally leave? Well, there was a little bit of a, there was a little bit of a, a push from that second half, which is, I was getting to a point that I was like, I don't really enjoy being in this salon anymore, working on clients. And at that point, I was, I had, I, uh, let's see, that was 2016. So 2013, I started to work with Sam Bia. I started mm-hmm. to work just as like an educator with him. But pretty quickly, he brought me on as his education director. So I had a pretty significant position with him at that point that was getting closer and closer to needing full-time attention. Mm. So I was still trying to maintain like 20 hours a week at the salon, just work like four or five days, 
four or five hour shifts. But we all know how that goes. If you're coming from a place that you had a 50 hour a week clientele and trying to pare that clientele down, I had done like a $25 per service price raise thinking, eh, okay, this will help to kind of, no. Like right, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a couple of people decided not to come to me for single process colors anymore, which I was pumped on. But for the most part, like it really didn't make a dent to make even that significant of a price raise. So at some point, yes, um, because moving here, I guess I have to give you a little bit of background about moving here too. Um, there was a group of friends that all of us were from Salt Lake City. All of us had come out here at different times. I'm giving you the very short version of the story. <laughs> but we all went, we had come out here in 2015 for our friend's wedding. And during that wedding in 2015, all of us were like, you know, what if we all moved out here? Wouldn't that be fun? So we get back to Salt Lake, start to look at, we just were keeping our eye on properties and stuff because all of us were like, yeah, let's make it a five-year plan to end up out here. So Michelle and I, my wife and I started to look at properties and stuff. And all of a sudden this house that we're in, this popped up and it was just, it was too good of an op opportunity to pass up. So we, we jumped on it. And initially we were thinking we'd come out, fix up the house because the house was, we live on a beautiful seven acre property. Nice. The house itself was a total shit show. I mean, it was disgusting. Like the oh. cats had peed over every surface. Ooh. It was, it was kind of a hoarder house. Like it was really, really bad, but we okay. got an incredible price for it. And, you know, like I said, we have the, just this insane property. We have views of the forest out this way, views of the valley that way. It's it's so cool. But um, we thought that we would come out, clean up the house, and just get it rented. Because we were still in the mindset that this was the five-year plan. Gotcha. So we didn't think we would probably even move here till closer to now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, but Michelle was like... My wife, Michelle, she was like, what are we waiting for? Like, we have this awesome place. Let's just go. And when she said that, I kind of was like, oh, my gosh, am I ready to you know, stop being a hairdresser in the salon? And, you know, all of the little stories of like, but you're an educator. And, you know, in the education world, if you're not working behind the chair, people think that maybe you aren't justified in being an educator. And Ooh. all of these different stories started to come up. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of got to a point where I was like, yeah, but you're not happy there anymore. Mm-hmm. So this is the step. This is this is the opportunity to kind of take a big, huge flying leap. And I went to Sam and I was like, can you turn this thing that I'm doing with you into a pretty full-time position? Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I think we could. And so that was the, that was kind of the switch from oh this is a five-year plan to oh no this is a less than a one-year plan now like we're just going yeah wow that's so cool and so uh so then you worked for sam via for mm -hmm. a couple of years are you still working with him or are you totally independent now i'm i'm completely independent but i still i still do some stuff with sam um they have a lot of on 
online education stuff that they do each week through like zoom or not zoom sorry facebook and youtube and i i host a lot of that stuff and i i have a show on there called wellness wednesday that we we actually haven't done a lot this year but it's um <clears throat> excuse me it it started as a show right when we all first got shut down i started to do a show about wellness just called cabin fever <laughs> we were all shut down and we were all in our houses. And so we started to do this weekly show where I'd have guests come on and we'd talk about mental wellness, physical wellness, all of those different things. And it just really, like people loved it. So even as we all went back to work, we were like, okay, well, let's continue it, but let's call it Wellness Wednesday instead. So I've been, I've been doing that for a couple of years now. This year, because my schedule has gotten busier, because they've also kind of taken a turn to not doing quite as much of the live digital education because they're more actually out on the road working again. Um, we we haven't done it as much this year, but it's still something that I do with them on occasion. Okay. But other than that, yes, I'm completely independent now. Yeah. How does it feel? It feels awesome. It's... It's, of course, a little scary at times because um, I, even though for Sam, I was still more of an independent contractor with him. I wasn't necessarily on payroll. Um, it still was a job. You know, it still had a really pretty consistent paycheck to it. Um, and so coming out and just being completely independent, and I'm sure some of the people that are listening can relate to this, maybe you went from more of a commission salon environment that maybe you had some guarantees of how much business was coming in, and maybe you became a booth renter or a suite you know, renter or something. You probably know that feeling too of like, oh, this is awesome. This is super exciting. I love that I make my own schedule and make my own decisions. But it's a little scary to not really have that teammate next to you to share the burden with or to just bounce your concerns off of. And um, so I love it. I do miss being part of a team for sure. But I, I, I collaborate a bunch with other companies, with other groups. Like I've done stuff with Great Clips. I have a friend that... She has a salon coaching company called Salon Cadence, and I work with her her team monthly. And um, there, there's lots of groups that I've made relationships with so that I can still have that sense of community and um, kind of teamwork, too. Yeah, which I think is so important for us, especially, um, you know, if you've worked any length of time in the hair industry, it's like one of the things that fuels us is our human connections, right? Yeah. And when we step out on our own, especially into a digital space, all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, where's all my people? Where's my, yeah, my team or like my regulars that come see me? Where's that like feed of energy that I'm looking for? And I know for myself, uh, really the podcast has been beautiful because I've gotten to meet so many new people and people that are industry specific and understand the language and have the same woes and kind of get that sense of camaraderie again, which has been really fun. It's like, I'm, I'm just building a whole new community. And I think anyone in the educational space probably gets to that point where they're like, wait a minute, I have to find my new people, right? Yeah. Maybe it was my salon people before, but now it's like this new community that we're getting to know each other with. And, um, it's really fun. I really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's mm -hmm. something that I've I've found kind of throughout my career 
it's almost important to continue to develop fresh relationships and fresh communities. Um, at least for me, I, I guess I'll say it from my own point of view, because I can't say that this is the right thing for everyone. But <laughs> for me, if I stayed, if I stayed put too long, I could just feel, feel the luster wearing off. And it's like, I, I don't want the luster to wear off. I want it to still be bright. I want it to still be exciting. And so part of, part of what helped me was to continually find fresh connections and fresh communities. And then that doesn't necessarily mean you have to quit your current job. Right. <laughs> it just means, well, if, if you tend to go to a lot of uh, TG Antonian guy classes, maybe it's time to start, you know, going to some Colton King classes or, um, you know, a different independent educator or go to a different company, go to a Redkin class or something like that to expand those. Of course, it's great to expand um, your technical skill set with different kind of cross training. Sure. But I think it's just as important from a community standpoint, just different influences of how people see the world and how people work at the chair. Yeah. And uh, within companies, you usually get kind of the same group of hairstylists that you see in classes too. You know, you see some repeats where you're like, oh, I met you last time at that class. And so, yeah, it definitely behooves you to kind of step out and try different brands and yeah, widen the net a little bit more. I yes. think that's great. <laughs> mm -hmm. For sure. Okay, so as an independent coach now, mm -hmm. um, you I know you just recently launched, is it a course or a membership that you're offering? Yeah, it's a, it's a group, it's a membership, it's a weekly membership. Um, I, I had found that more and more, I had people reaching out that were struggling. They were just having a hard time. And it's like, oh, you know, do you have any thoughts for me or do you have any advice for me and the two things that for me personally and for a lot of the people that I work with that have have helped the most is my breathwork practice which it's not like um a lot of people when they think of breathwork right now they think of kind of like the really crazy transformational breathwork where it's like you know you're on the floor and crying and doing that kind of stuff and, <laughs> you know that definitely has its place uh -huh. that's not the breath work that i do okay <laughs> um, the breath work that i do is through a company called oxygen advantage and it's it's more about returning people back to their supportive natural healthy breathing habits so it's a lot of practices of how do we get back to actually it's more our original breath like if mm -hmm. you watch a baby breathe, it's so soft and gentle and, you know, their whole rib cage from down in the bottom and their belly and everything just floats and moves. And then over time, because of stress and because of all these other things, we start getting tight up here and our breath comes from our upper chest and maybe we even breathe mm -hmm. through our mouth too much mm -hmm. and things like that. So the whole principle of this breath work is to... Um, get us back to that super just very natural supportive breathing habits but it also has some great techniques and processes for helping to get the nervous system back under control like we have a rescue technique um, that i can actually teach you guys right now if you want absolutely yes so, um, 
as you're listening, you can, you can just kind of, as, as you're just listening to us talk, you can practice this. Just take an inhale through the nose, exhale through the nose. After you exhale, just reach up and pinch and hold your nose shut after the exhale, just gently and count down like three, two, one. It can be anywhere between five seconds and three seconds. And just do that a couple times after you release, take two or three natural inhales and exhales. After an exhale, pinch and hold, count down. And just as you're listening to us, just kind of play with that. It doesn't have to be exact how many seconds. But what you'll find is that short breath hold after the exhale, what it's doing is it's it's ex actually extending the effect of the exhale, which the exhale is the calming portion of, of your breathing pattern. Like if I, hit, uh, if I hook you up to um, a heart rate variability monitor right now, as you inhale, your heart rate's going to increase a little bit. And you're going to get a little bit more charge from the sympathetic side of the nervous system, which is the fight or flight side of the nervous system. The um, exhale, you'll start to notice that the heart rate will decrease a little bit and you're going to have more influence from the parasympathetic side of the nervous system, which is what they call the rest and digest side of the nervous system. So what you're doing with that short breath hold after the exhale is you're extending the effect of the exhale. You're also allowing for just a little bit more carbon dioxide to stay in your system, which a lot of people are like, well, don't I want to get rid of carbon dioxide? Right. Yes. I'm like nodding like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that's, we think of it as a waste gas that we need to get rid of. And it's not actually, it's one of them. The, it's kind of funny that this company that I work with is called Oxygen Advantage because so much that we do is actually to help you preserve more carbon dioxide. Hmm. Most of us, if we're shallow, fast breathers, or even if we're not fast breathers, we might kind of take like these big, like <sighs> kind of breaths a lot. Mm -hmm. That's over breathing. So basically what hyperventilation or overbreathing is, is breathing more than the biological needs of your body. So within the course of a minute, if I'm just breathing too much, which is actually a habit of most people because of their stress levels, I'm hyperventilating. Whoa. During that hyperventilatory process, I'm actually having probably slightly lower than normal carbon dioxide levels. And that carbon dioxide percentage within the bloodstream is essential for the oxygen to actually leave the bloodstream to get into the tissues, to get into the brain. So it actually helps to oxygenate, oxygenate the body better with higher carbon dioxide levels. Plus carbon dioxide has a calming effect to the body because it supports the activity of the vagus nerve, which is the primary portion of the body that helps with parasympathetic tone to keep us more calm and to be more centered. So if you guys have been playing with this, you might notice that with those just short breath holds, even after four or five of them, you'll start to feel your nervous system actually calm down pretty quick. So we teach processes like that too, where it's like, hey, if you're starting to get anxious, um, some of you that are listening, if you are prone to panic attack, if you've had panic attacks in the past, you probably know the warning signs, like the tingly skin, or like you start to get that kind of like coldness across the back of the head. Um, it shows up differently for different people, but you do kind of get used to how your body tends to signal, hey, something's going to happen soon. 
if you do that rescue maneuver of the short breath holds, a lot of people find they can actually get themselves under control before they go into a full-blown panic attack too. Wow. That That's the kind of stuff we teach. It's returning back to that natural supportive breath and this type of work that helps to really work with the nervous system a lot. That's so cool. Uh, do you know, I mean, this is movies, so it's probably not real, but maybe it was based on something like this. Um, in movies and TV, you see anyone that's like freaking out, kind of panic breathing. They have them breathe in a paper bag, mm -hmm. right? Is that because they're trying to basically get more carbon dioxide to calm them down? You got it, Crystal. You oh my it. gosh. I never... Yes put two and two together like why would you breathe into a paper bag it made no sense but it's like you see everyone do that right mm -hmm. yep <laughs> it's it's to recycle the carbon dioxide so that it can help calm the nervous system so what we teach instead of the paper bag because the paper bag especially if it's a thick paper bag you're not going to get much fresh air and you do want a little fresh air in there too so what <laughs> we teach is actually to just take the hands place them gently across the face and just breathe and try to just breathe super gently in and out through the hands that'll recirculate enough carbon dioxide to help with that process without completely kind of closing you off right right That's what yeah we encourage for that that's so cool. Yeah. Okay. So then to circle back to um, your membership and mm -hmm. what kind of stuff this includes, do you have like kind of a core set of practices that you recommend people do? And then are you doing like live Q and A's or like supporting in other ways or what are people getting in the membership, I guess? Yeah. Thank you for asking. So there is like a foundational breathwork section that I just have recorded in course work that it's like, start here, practice this first, then go to this step, practice this next. So yeah, there's, there's that process lined out there, but we also meet for 30 minutes every week. I wanted to make it something that like people just don't have that much time. And I think that that's why they don't dedicate themselves to things like this very often, because it's like, oh man, this is going to take so much time and it's going to take so much energy. So I didn't want it to be like, okay, we're going to meet for two hours a week. And uh, you know, this thing that just felt overwhelming. So yeah. I was like, we're just going to meet for 30 minutes per week. We're going to do some breath work together. And then the second thing that I focus on with them is this thing called multiple brain integration techniques. So this is basically recognizing that we have intelligence in the heart, we have intelligence in, in the gut, we have intelligence in the nervous system, we have a pelvic brain. Um, all of this is real, scientifically based fact that there is neurons firing in those regions that send information to the mind to be processed. And then we do something with it. But because we've become such a head-brained society, we don't trust that stuff anymore. Like we don't trust that gut intelligence, which is your intuition a lot of times. It's that sense of like, oh yeah, my gut tells me blank. You know, and that's mm -hmm. that's those moments where it's like some truth comes to you. You don't know why you know it, you just know it. Like that's gut intelligence. Mm -hmm. And we say, oh, my heart's really telling me that this is important. Well, it's true. Your heart is a source of intelligence. 
And it does communicate to you about connection. It communicates to you about empathy and compassion. It's a source of information for what you value most. So the esoteric teachers of you know the past, the wisdom traditions, they've all talked about this forever, but science has finally caught up and it's like, oh yeah, actually, like you have as many neurons in your enteric system, your gut, as a cat does in its head brain. Wow. Yeah. So that's a big part of what we do within the membership too, is I teach people how how to connect to that. And it's it's kind of like a guided meditation. I just don't like to call it a meditation because it's more of, um, I call it a guided exploration. Like I walk people through how to connect to that heart intelligence, how to connect to that gut intelligence. Because like, like I said, when I kind of started this very long-winded description. <laughs> um, I'm enjoying every moment of it. Don't worry. Okay, good. I hope your listeners are too. Um, but the the two things, these are the two things that have made the hugest difference in my life personally is getting my breath to support me and reconnecting to my body, which really when we reconnect to that intelligence of the body, that's when we start to... Re- I think really reconnect to ourselves because the head is such a powerful storyteller. That's one of the talents of the mind of the head brain is that it's a great storyteller, mm-hmm. but it's, it starts to tell us stories that we start to believe in that aren't necessarily a real truth. It's someone else's words or someone else's descriptions or the world's description of how we think we should be. That's what gets into the mind mm-hmm. down here, deep in the belly. If I can connect to that, like that belly truth is that place where you're like, oh yeah, this is who I truly am. Mm-hmm. And so reconnect to the body. That's where I think we do reconnect to more of our truth and we feel more ourselves. Yeah. I could see how this would be. I mean, it's important for everybody. Let's just mm-hmm. be honest, but I could see how this would be very important for someone who is any sort of like leader, whether it be a hairstylist talking to their clients, serving their clients, or an educator teaching a class, because if you're comfortable and confident in yourself and who you are, it's much easier to convey the messages that you need to convey to those that you're serving, right? If we're in our head and concerned about what people are thinking the whole time, or um, just not coming from a place of like genuine, I think yeah. we'll come off as like uh, not secure or kind of fake, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think people's, um, like we've always had a pretty good bullshit meter, I think, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I almost feel like it's more tuned in because, well, and maybe it's just as I say that, maybe it's not even that it's more tuned in. Maybe it's just that people don't have much tolerance for it anymore. Yeah, people are were a little bit more okay with. Um, let's put it in terms of like speakers or teachers. They were kind of. I think they actually even liked seeing those people that would get up on stage and just kind of put on a show for them. Whereas mm-hmm. now, they're not interested in that. Like if you go to the hair shows, you kind of see that. Like yeah, there's still big stage shows with like you know models and things like that. 
but you don't really have um like you know back in the 90s people would come out and like they'd be haircutting from a trapeze or something and it was it was like the hairdressing educator was more of a performer absolutely and and people loved it back then it was awesome like sammy used to do that kind of crazy shit where you know he'd take a model and he'd just spin her in the seat and just like chop pieces out of the hair and yeah people went crazy for it yes people aren't interested in that kind of stuff as much anymore it's like they want that real yes real connection with people yeah and i think you know if you want to go watch a a class you want to walk away with something valuable these days too not just the entertainment aspect i'm trying to remember the guy's name it was like five years in a row the hair shows that i went to he wore a um badger like the skin of oh, a badger okay thank you i was like <laughs> i don't remember any of the hair he did at all whatsoever i just remember that badger swinging around just being like who is this guy <laughs> what is he oh, doing awesome. right but i mean yeah it was fun back then but it, there's there was no uh retention of the information he was putting out there at all whatsoever and so these yeah, days, and, I think I'd be like, well, this is a waste of time, you know? Yeah. And and Robert was, he was quite clear about that, too, that he's like, I'm I'm here to put on a show. Like, I'm here for um, my, my friend Roderick, who is an amazing teacher. He calls it edutainment. He's like, I want it to be entertaining while I educate you, too. And I think Robert, he, well, he was always really clear about that. He's like, that's my thing. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm the guy that ties balloons to people's hair and has it float in the air and I cut it off. And it's more about me inspiring your mind and exciting you than it is about me actually teaching a real haircut. And the funny thing is about like someone like Robert or someone like Sam that did do a lot of that crazy stuff. A lot of what they did, if you actually dissect it, was actually grounded in really good foundations, you know, and they knew what they were going to get from these crazy things that they did. Uh, but yeah, you you don't necessarily take that back to the salon and start to tie, <laughs> you know, <laughs> tie balloons. To Can you clothes. imagine? <laughs> Some people might. Yeah, yeah. They charge a lot of money for it. Right. That was always like you needed an interpreter to be like, okay, so what you take away from this mm-hmm. is this, and this is how you're going to go replicate it back in the salon at home or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of the educators that I work with at this point, that that's exactly what they're looking for. They're looking for authenticity. Like they want to get back to this place where, um, and you know, people are starting to move away from the bigger brands too, because the bigger brands do have a specific culture to it that it has an aesthetic. It has a verbiage to it. And a lot of people are like, you know, I just want to go independent and do my own thing. That's more authentic to me that I don't necessarily have to walk a certain walk or talk a certain talk. I don't have to wear a certain type of clothing. And those are a lot of the people that I've, I find myself working with and some some educators that do still work with brands, but it's like, well, how do I bring my sense of authenticity to that stage, even when I am being told, well, this is how we talk about these kinds of things. This is what we wear. And this is how we show up. How do I still come come forward with authenticity? Because um, you're right, that that's what people are looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone these days, and maybe even more so the younger generation that is coming into the business that... Um, I'm not going to say they don't have people skills necessarily, but they grew up a little differently 
Yeah. Uh, socially, you know, than maybe you or I did. And they really are looking for connection and authenticity, like out, out the starting gates, right? They want to know who to trust and who to look for for information. I mean, can you imagine coming into the hairdressing industry with as many options as there are now? You know, um, I mean, I started in 2001. And so, I mean, back then it was like, there's the big companies and that was kind of it. You know, it was like you could go to the the West Coast show or the East Coast show, and maybe there was a Texas or a Midwest one in between there, but online education didn't exist. All these independent educators didn't exist. And so it was, you just trusted the big brands because that's all you had. And now it's like the world is your oyster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, which can be over, overwhelming too, right? Because yes. that's the conversation that I also have a lot of a lot with my coaching clients is that there are so many options that it causes analysis paralysis, where mm-hmm. it's like, well, should I do this or should I do this or should I do this? Because there are so many options, and so it is. It's it's tough. Where do we even start? Sometimes is the hardest part of the journey is just just put a foot forward. But mm-hmm. what direction, what's going to be best for me? What's not, you know, the, those are the tough questions that come with too many options because mm-hmm. to your point back when it was, well, you either work for TG and Tony and guy, you work for matrix, you work for biolage, you work for, you know, it's like there were these handful of companies that if you knew someone that was teaching within the hair industry, they were probably working for one of these handful of different companies. Yes. And now it's like, I mean, shit, be, especially with the amount of independent, you know, smaller product companies and stuff that are out there. You're right. The world is the oyster. Mm-hmm. It can just be really overwhelming sometimes to look out and see those that many options. I almost wonder if we're going to find, um, just like you have found some people in the industry that you probably align with and want to work with, I wonder if we'll find like cohorts of independent educators that end up coming together with like similar values and trajectories and kind of creating like um, little like dream teams or something. And so then as a hairstylist looking for education, you might be more attracted to something that's a little more emotional intelligence or, you know, heart centric kind of education, or maybe you're someone that's into the, um, what was that word? I wrote it down edutainment Mm -hmm. side. And you're just like, no, just give me all the like crazy, you know, wacky stuff. Or you're like super detail oriented and heady. And so you find a group of educators that, you know, coincide with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I could see that being where we're going because as I get more more into this, I find more and more stylists are kind of lumped together with the people they jive with. Yeah. And I, I definitely already see it happening. Mm-hmm. And with, within, um, kind of the world of independent educators, it's interesting because there's also this option to, like, you don't necessarily have to work for a company. You can just be more of like an ambassador to the company. So you'll you'll see people start to con- congregate um into community as like oh well this is this ambassador group but the product is still the linking point because the product to your point has that common interest it has common values it has common principles to it 
And there are a lot of product companies that actually do have strong principles to them now where it's like, oh, because I care about um, the planet, this is the this is the company I, I'm going to connect with because that's that's what I value. That's the vibe I want. Yeah. And I was I was actually just barely just a few weeks ago talking to a friend, another friend of mine who is an independent educator as well. And we were talking about this that at some point those of us that don't necessarily have a direct relationship with the product line, we don't necessarily have a direct relationship with any other bigger companies. When are, when are we going to get together and do some things together? Like have yes. our own version of a, um, you know, an ABS show, but it's a group of independent educators. Yeah. And I, I do see, though, that even the big shows, even the ABS and um, ISSI, like, I do see more support of the independent, even within the big shows now, too, because they're smart. I mean, they know that that's part of what their crowd is looking for, too. Right. There's a portion of the crowd that does just want to come and see, like, the huge Redken, you know, multi-million dollar just blowout, you know, hair event on stage. And then there's the people that want to come sit in our classroom and actually just get to know us mm -hmm. and just talk about hair or business or life mm -hmm. with someone that they trust, not necessarily someone that they think is trying to sell them a product. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're at a really interesting time in the industry and I'm I'm really happy to be involved in the way that I am right now just because of the people that I get exposed to it's it's fascinating and I don't think there's ever been a better time to be a hairstylist. Yeah, I I think that there's so many things out there that it would be easy to look at and go, "Well, what about this?" and "This is bad and that's bad." And it's like it's just different. Mhm. Mm and I think I would come back to the point that you made earlier, which is if you really look at it, we have more options today than we've ever had before. We have so many options as business structure. You know, even if you do want to work in a team-based environment, there are like a dozen different structures to how to get a paycheck as a hairdresser now too. There's so many different structures that you could approach as far as being an independent business person. You can work in like more of a team-based sort of booth rent salon. You can work in a private suite. Like there's just so many options that I agree with you. I, I think that, yes, there's plenty of things that you could look out and be like, but this and but that. But when it really comes down to it, man, there is just so much potential and so much opportunity and this whole thing, you know, right now, the conversation around AI is just explosive. Yes. We can't be replaced. I know. And especially from your perspective, like speaking from kind of a heart centric place, like robots are not going to ever replicate that. They might be able to do the headspace things, mm -hmm. right? But they're never going to do the heart stuff or the gut stuff. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was listening. I was listening to a podcast. <clears throat> excuse me they were talking about the future of ai within therapy within psychotherapy and they actually they were talking about the fact that certain types of psychotherapy ai will become hard to beat 
because it is it's so analytically based it's so like focused on how the brain operates that they uh, the ai can probably almost become more efficient at that because it's going to keep it really process based Mm-hmm. Whoa. but the thing is to your point that are more heart based more gut based those are the things that can't be even replaced with an intelligent robot <laughs> like no because no they don't have that right know? so <laughs> what's exciting to me is to to also see that i feel like more and more people are interested to go go to that place too i think most of us intuitively know that we have spent too much time in our analytic head brain mm -hmm. we've spent too much time worrying about the stories up there and people are really moving towards these more um i'll just use kind of holistic as a blanket term mm -hmm. but more holistic approaches to how to be healthy and how to feel good and um even how to do business like we're seeing so much more mindfulness and heart-based wisdom being infused into the business space now too, where it's not just about, okay, well, what's my strategy to get as much money as I possibly can from you? It actually comes from how can I be in service to this person the best way that I possibly can? And, and it's really beautiful to see those things growing. Yeah, yeah. And just to elaborate on that a little bit more, I think mm -hmm. it's how can I be, yeah, the, as the best, serve you the best that I can because that's what makes me feel the best, right? Uh, the, a lot of the conversations I've had recently, um, the majority of people that are stepping into kind of a new chapter in their lives as an entrepreneur have done so because of COVID. Um, as terrible as that time was for all of us, it gave a lot of us, especially in the beauty industry, a chance to pause and to really think about like, what makes us feel good, right? Like one, why am I doing what I'm doing? You know? And it's like, I know for me as a hairstylist, it was like, because I like to make people feel good. The altruistic part of it is like, I feel good making people feel good. And so many people had that moment of like, okay, well, I'm going to do something where I can feel good and make the most people possible feel good. And so that looked like products they launched or education they launched or things they opened or closed. Um, so I think that, yeah, that's definitely at the top of everyone's minds right now is like, how can I best live my life to feel good and every, make it count basically? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, the, the thing that is really important there, Crystal, is that requires experimentation. Like that yeah. requires that we don't just get stuck doing what we've always done. We don't get stuck just staying put in the community that we're in just because we're comfortable there. If we want to have these experiences that really touch us more deeply, that touch other people more deeply, we have to be willing to step outside of those places that we're most comfortable and try new things. That requires that mindset of exploration of not just, well, I have to achieve, but, oh, no, I get to explore. Like I get the opportunity to try a different approach with my conversation with this client, 
try a different approach to my pricing, try a different approach to how I market myself or how I talk to people about my business. I had this, I had this girl reach out the other day and I would just, I thought it was the coolest thing because she saw that I teach breath work and she's like, I want to start to incorporate breath work into my esthetician services. She's like my, my aesthetic, her aesthetics place. She's like, we, we do a lot of like medical level aesthetic services, but I make it a really spa type of environment, you know, the music and the smells and the experience. She's like, I want it to feel like kind of more holistic. Mm -hmm. And so, so she, she had gone to a breathwork experience somewhere else. And it was one of those like super transformational breathwork practices where you're doing like the big, huge breaths and you're laying on the floor and your body's shaking and people are crying and stuff. And she's like, I don't think that that's what I want in my aesthetics. Room. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not good for business. <laughs> yeah. So she's like, it seems like the breathwork that you're doing is a little different. So, but it was, it was exciting to me. To hear someone like her be like, I want to take my aesthetics, even if it's medical aesthetics, I want to take it in a new direction that has more substance to it. It offers that client that's with her something different. I mean, how cool would that be to go get your brows done and walk out feeling like your nervous system was reset? Oh, yes, please. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I talked to a hairstylist recently that said she started incorporating Reiki into her treatments right. as well. Mm -hmm. Same idea, right? It's like just kind of connecting and serving on a different level. Yeah. People are reading tarot cards during processes. My friend Abe does a sage ceremony for every single client that's, you know, sits with him. It's like, it's, I just love that there's this openness and this potential because if you would have tried to pull that stuff back like in the late 90s early 2000s clients have been like what are you doing yeah who is I'm this nuts. weirdo right <laughs> yeah y'all are supposed to be like drinking heavily and doing drugs not all this like healthy happy stuff come on <laughs> that, that, you're speaking truth there <laughs> Um, I wonder too, Andrew, if um, this breath work that you offer, I'm just thinking of like who who would benefit from this um, new stylists coming into the industry is like, you know, one of the, the biggest hurdles to get over is the anxiety and the anxiousness that you get when you're like that new fresh stylist and you know that you don't have the experience but you're trying to like fake it till you make it when you get clients in your chair mm -hmm. and kind of I know a lot of them and this happened to me when I was young too is like okay like you're trying to do some like calm breathing while you're like mixing color or staring at your color cabinet like what do I do you know um I really wonder if there could be some fun practice for that two seconds you have where you turn away from your client and you can kind of have a like come to center moment with yourself um, and, and how they could benefit from that. Yeah. And then, I mean, to your point, everybody can benefit from the breath work because um, as an experienced hairdresser, what we're doing right now talking is effectively hyperventilating, hyperventilating. So at the chair, we are talking so much. So most of your day isn't really breathing great. <laughs> so That's knowing true. how to reset and to come back to that during the opportunities that you have, like you said, going to the color bar 
can become a breathwork practice. And that's a big part of what I talk about in, in the course is don't make this the thing that you do first thing in the morning and then forget about. Mm. Make this the thing that you do while you're shampooing your guest's hair, while you're at the color bar, while you're washing dishes at night, do the breathing practices. Because a lot of the breathing practices, you don't necessarily have to do any nose pinching or anything. Um, you could also just do a balanced breath, which is just an even count of breath in, even count of breath out. So if you're breathing in for four seconds, you're going to exhale for four seconds. And it's a great way to just get the mind to focus on something because that's that's really a lot of what we're battling there. Using a young stylist for an example, what they're battling is the story in their head. That's mm -hmm. really what it comes down to. Now, how that story was formed and exactly what that story is, that's different for each person. Yes. But really what's creating the anxiety is the story that's in our head about what is going to happen to me that's going to make me feel unsafe or disconnect me from my community. That's really the like two really basic things that sets the nervous system off. And so breath work, something like, okay, I'm just going to count four seconds in. One, two, three, four, out, two, three, four, in, two, three, four. If I just do that while I'm kind of mixing up my color or, you know, walking away from my client for a few moments, that in and of itself gives the mind something to focus on, plus the biochemical process that's going to happen within your body from having that nice even breath is going to calm the nervous system. It's going to get the body back into where it's supposed to be. And it doesn't take long. And it lasts a long time. There was some really close research that showed five minutes of um, either... Uh, the balance breathing, which I just said, which ideally it should be about five or six seconds, but even, even if that's not comfortable and it is just three or four seconds, it still works. But at five minutes of balanced breathing, coherent breathing, the effects of it can last for up to two hours hmm. off of five minutes of breathing work. So... Okay, That's so how helpful this stuff can be. Yeah. Okay. This is really fascinating to me. Um, side note, I'm a terrible runner. Like I'm just not built to be a runner. I can do some other things physically, but mm -hmm. I've tried a few times in my life to like get good at running and I'm awful at it. And one of the only things that will take my mind off of this is horrible. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here is counting my breathing. And I don't like listening to music when I do it. And I would do a four count and it was just something that I kind of, I don't know, I just made up in my head of like, I just need to focus on something else. So counting was the only thing that made sense for me. And I would just try to do as many numbers in as I did out every time. And I always felt so good afterwards. And I attributed it to the running, mm -hmm. right? They say you get like a runner's high. I'm like, oh, that's probably what's going on. I've got this runner's high. Cool. It's great. But it's not like I was running super long distances or fast or anything, but I wonder if it was like the concentrated, focused breathing and like I wasn't thinking about other things because all I could think about was counting that gave me that sense of relaxation and kind of like, ah, afterwards for a while. It's really interesting. Yeah. And it, 
what you were doing mm-hmm. while you were running is a great practice, actually, because there are so many levels of good things you're doing for yourself. Um, you're basically practicing single point meditation because you're giving the mind something specific to focus on. You're saying, okay, mind, we're not going to think about all of these problems in our life. We're not going to focus on how much we actually don't really enjoy the running process. We're going to direct our focus to a single point, which is the counting of the breath. So you get a little bit of a meditation in there, a moving meditation. Mm -hmm. By doing an even count in and even count out, you are improving your heart rate variability, which is a huge aspect of overall human wellness is having this really beautiful heart rate variability. You are also probably doing a better job with your breath of not losing um, the carbon dioxide through over-breathing too. Because you did have a certain level of control over your breath, you probably weren't just doing kind of what I see, unfortunately, a lot of people doing as they exercising, which is this like, yeah, kind of breathing. Mm-hmm. It by making the inhale equal with the exhale, you were probably having a much better biochemical response within the body too. So that that is a great habit, and it, and it's something I encourage people to do. Um, that's actually a big part of the oxygen advantage program is like, if you can turn your exercise into a breathing exercise, that's incredible. But most people want to go to the gym put on the headphones and zone out. Mm. Right. And that's okay. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, Mm -hmm. but if you can do what you did, take a run, take, um, whatever program that you're going through exercise wise at the gym. And you can turn that into actually like a mindful practice where your breath is part of your focus. That's super impactful. Yeah, it's just fascinating to me. I've never felt the need to incorporate it into anything else because like cycling and hiking, weightlifting, anything else that I'm doing is more pleasurable than running. And so I felt like for me, it was just out of desperation that I did that. But I'm really curious now to try to incorporate that into other things. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You've got my wheels spinning now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's awesome. Man. Um, awesome. Well, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to ask you, Andrew. Is there anything else you wanted to share about your um, membership or what you have to offer? Do you do one-on-one coaching with people still? Yeah, I still do okay. one-to-one coaching. Um, and if they're interested in uh just knowing more about that, of course, you can just head to my website and there is a form on there that if you wanted to work with me more one-on-one, you can set up a um, uh, discovery call and we can actually have a, um, that's what's most important to me is that the people that I'm working with, it's the right thing for them. I've turned down people, I don't want to say often, but there are plenty of times where after we have the conversation, it's like, you know, I think that what you're actually looking for is this type of support. Here are some suggestions on where you could go. So if you are curious about coaching, set up a discovery call. There's zero pressure to actually go through with it. And I will be incredibly honest with you if I'm the right person to be working with and what I offer is right. 
Um, but there's there's going to be a lot of really cool stuff coming up soon too. Um, my good friend Andrea Hemmer, who owns Lunatic Fringe Salon in Boise, Idaho, um, she she's kind of had a, a parallel path that I have where she goes from being a hairdresser into more leadership and education, but has also studied a lot of coaching, especially within the communication world. So we're going to have a two-day um, hands-on live training in Boise coming up in July. Yeah, it's in July. And that's going to be all about communication. But from an equal kind of esoteric place of communication as much as the logic and the neuroscience of communication. Um, and then my friend Carlo Novoa and I we're putting together a program kind of similar concept where it's bringing together the inner work and the outer work of an educator. So mm -hmm. yes, we're going to go through skill set stuff. Like how do you stand on stage with good presence? And you know, how do you write a lesson plan that's going to capture your audience and all of those things. So the technical aspects of an educator, but we're going to go much deeper into the inner work of an educator, like our relationship to our voice um, I've had a really challenging relationship with my voice since 2019. And so I've, that's been a big part of my study over the last couple of years. So we're going to talk a lot about our relationship with our voice. What can uh, you tell me about your voice? What have you struggled with? Um, the, you, you can probably hear it a little bit here and there as we're talking. 2019, I'll try to keep this somewhat short because it's it, this is a bit of a long story, but it um, I can condense it. So 2019, and let me set it up this way, no fault of the St. Via company, they gave me an opportunity to step into a position that seemed like, man, this is such an awesome opportunity because it was a, a little bit more of what I would kind of consider like a corporate position. You know, I was, I was not just an education director, but I was becoming more of a part of like the decision-making team at a corporate level. It just about killed me. <laughs> oh no. It it was the most it was the most stressful thing I think I've ever done. And and again, it's not because that the Samvia company was a bad company. It was because I was so far removed from who and what I should be and what I should be doing with my life. So I'm setting in these like two and three hour business focus meetings about numbers and percentages and sales strategies and stuff. <laughs> and I'm just sitting through these things. And also during that time, my self-esteem got really kind of hit pretty hard because I was also sitting in these spaces thinking I have nothing to offer. Like I don't have a voice here. Mm -hmm. And so through that process, it got to a point, Crystal, that I could not speak at times. I would I would go to speak up during these meetings, and it would be like this. It would I would go so, so <laughs> I, I I like to talk, <laughs> but what I learned now that I'm actually going still going through the retraining process. So this whole structure within our throat that creates noise. The first and primary purpose of it is to keep you safe. 
because it is the structure that keeps food and water from going into your lungs and killing you. Right. Like, this is a safety structure. You'll notice it is, is as soon as you get stressed or you feel unsafe, the, the place most of us will feel at first is tightness in that throat. And so what happens is the vocal folds, because there's three structures, there's, there's the, the vocal folds themselves that do make sound. There's a structure above that called the false vocal fold. And there's the actual epiglottis, which is like the big thing that really shuts everything down. Yeah. But to protect us, all three of them shut down. So um, what was happening is my vocal folds were getting hard and shutting off in a protective maneuver. It was trying to protect me. So ever since 2019, I've been going through vocal training. I have, um, I've done a lot of inner work on this stuff and it, and it's still, um, like I said, if you've listened to this podcast the whole way through, you'll notice certain times, like right now, my voice is awesome. It's like super open. It's, it's not having any restriction. And then within a few seconds, you'll hear it kind of uh-huh. do some stuff like that, where it just cuts mm-hmm. off or to get a word out. I feel like I kind of have to push a little bit. So I did, I didn't pick up on that in that regard. I have to say, yeah. uh, when I hear your voice and when it does that kind of low gravelly thing where it's like almost cutting out mm-hmm. to me, it seems like you're so relaxed and you're like, you're not, you're not like pushing the voice out so hard. It like just barely like comes out to me. It was like, ah, like it's very soothing. And I saw it as like, dang, you are so in control of your voice and so calm that you just have this like buttery quality to your voice. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't notice it as any sort of like problem at all. I think it's like very calming. And I, I really, I, I genuinely appreciate hearing that because it's, um, it's nice to know that the outside world doesn't hear what I kind of hear in my head, which is sometimes like, oh, my stupid voice is doing that again. <laughs> and that, and that's part of what I personally have to work on. And I have to, and, and I actually appreciate the feedback because part of what you are hearing at times is vocal technique that I'm using specifically to get myself to relax my vocal folds again. Because um, mm. that's what my voice therapist has worked a lot with me is getting these the, the false vocal folds that sit above the, the real vocal folds to stay open because that's what kind of will shut things off. And then also to keep the vocal folds soft so they don't get hard and start to create that almost crackle sound. Yeah. Um, so sometimes, yes, when you hear it kind of drop pretty low and it, it is kind of that like, uh, uh-huh. called vocal fry. Uh-huh. Vocal fry only happens if your vocal folds are completely relaxed. Gotcha. So part of that is, um, trying to get my vocal folds to actually relax too. Oh, fascinating. Well, I'm saying you're wearing it well, like from an outsider's perspective, <laughs> it just seems like you're very in control. So that's great. I mean, I'm sorry that that was a struggle for you, but it doesn't come across that way. Yeah. And like most things, well, I would say almost all, well, no, I'm just going to say all things because that's what I do believe. Even if they're really difficult, 
they're there for a reason. Like I mm-hmm. went through this in 2019 because as I told you kind of at the beginning of the podcast, this group of people that I'm, I'm feeling just more and more connected to all the time are people that have to use their voice for a living. And it's something that educators and coaches have never been taught is actually how to take care of our voice, how to actually speak diaphragmatically. This is not stuff that is included in teacher training programs. No. It is now going to be something that's included in teacher training programs because my friend Carlo and I are going to make sure that it does because it is important. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Have you heard um, or felt more of a pull to teach in person recently? Because I've heard in other parts of the industry, there's been more and more uh, in-person need again. Yeah, it's it's interesting because last year I had a lot of in-person events. This year has been a little bit quieter. And I, and I have to tell you that going back to my belief that everything kind of happens for a reason... I think partially because this next about three months of my life, I kind of need to be home. Mm. Um, But it's, I I will be really honest. It's hard for me not to get up in my head about like, why, wait, why don't I have any live events for the next few months? Because I was supposed to have two and both of them canceled. Mm. But I, instead of going, oh man, I can't believe these two events canceled on me. Look at it. It's like, dude, you don't want to be gone in May and June. These are the most two most important months of getting your family moved to this beautiful new home, you know, this beautiful new place that we're going to. Right. So, uh, sorry, that I took a little different direction than you asked. With <laughs> That's that okay. Question. But <laughs> to your point, yes, I definitely see a draw to the return of the live in-person education for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People want that connection. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think specifically for you to, well, I, I was going to say like um, in person would be super impactful just to like be in your presence of you speaking, I feel like would calm people down very quickly. Um, but I was going to say, I found you on social media. I think you were like a suggested person that Instagram mm. popped up and I stopped dead in my tracks when I heard you talking. And it was because you're so like, I find myself even trying to talk calmer when I'm talking to you. <laughs> you know, it's like, I want to emulate what you're doing, but it was, you were just so calm and like careful about your words. And I was just like, whoa, who's this guy? Like, it just was like, you know, stop what mm-hmm. you're doing. Um, so it's not like it's not effective on social media, but I could see that being like really, um, effective in a group of people, you know, to stand in front of a group and kind of collectively share that energy with the group. And um, I think a lot of people would enjoy that. Yeah. And it's, it's something that I am, I, I actually really have gotten quite comfortable with this, like the whole video online stuff. um, Because that's a big part of what we did at Sam Via. I mean, we were a part of part of that portion of the industry that really set like YouTube and digital education in the right direction. I I feel really strongly about that. Um, So being in front of a camera actually does feel quite like I I actually feel very connected to you right now. Like you're sitting on on a screen with me, but I I feel a a really good connection with you. But there is definitely something in that live arena that just is irreplaceable. And it's something that I absolutely love to do. 
Um, I love doing like retreats for salons and stuff. It's, it's just so much fun. It just makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited to get back into that even as a consumer again too. So it's very exciting. Um, well, Andrew, this has been like a real pleasure. Seriously. I'm, I'm so glad that we were able to connect and get you on here. Um, I know you mentioned you might have a special, uh, treat for my listeners, yeah. um, in terms of what you have to offer. If you want to share that real quick before we wrap up. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, your podcast is called your hair mentor, right? That is correct. Okay. I just wanted to double check, make sure that I got it correct. Mm -hmm. So the code that I have for you is YHM gift. So your hair mentor and the initials gift. And I, so basically what that code will get you is your first month of membership completely free. Cool. That's so amazing. Thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, my pleasure. It's I will, um, I will that share that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say this, this mentorship is something that I just want as many faces there as possible, because like I said, the, the breath connecting to body, these are two things that I just think are so incredibly powerful and it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't yeah. have to take a lot of time. And share with me really quick, uh, where we can find your content and your information. Uh, Instagram's probably the best because that's where I put my most, the most focus is, and it's just an Andrew dot Carruthers. Um, so Instagram's a great place to connect with me. And if you forget, you can just go to Instagram and click on the link in my bio and that will take you to the website. It take you directly to the program. There's also just a free version of one of my 30 minute sessions too. Um, within the link on bio. So even if you don't want to sign up for the program, you can always just go and just do a sample of that too. Um, but the website's thejourneyist.life. The journeyist is a made up word. Um, it's the journey with IST at the end, but it, it was a, a friend of mine made up the title for me because he's like, well, what do you do? I was like, I just take people on a journey. He's I like, love it. Oh, then you're the journeyist. It's beautiful. Like, okay, cool. <laughs> I think it's perfect and I love every bit of it. <laughs> Thank you. You've been so sweet to me. Thank you for this. This is this has been a real pleasure for me too. Wonderful. Okay, well, I will make sure to put all of that content in the show notes here for anyone that's interested. And um, I guess once again, thank you so much for being here and I'm excited to see where all of this takes you. And good luck thank on the move. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, need it. it's no kidding, one. right? Yeah, <laughs> well, try to take care of yourself in the next few months. And um, I'll be in contact on social media. That's for sure. Perfect. Okay, thank, thank you, you Andrew. Take care. Bye bye. Friend, thank you so much for tuning in for yet again, another episode of the Your Hair Mentor podcast. I hope that this interview with Andrew was as uplifting and inspiring as I found it to be. And so just in case you'd like to have a little more Andrew in your life, I'm going to go ahead and post the um, website of his and any little tidbits of information that you're going to need, like that coupon code that he mentioned, those will be available in the show notes. And now I have to tell you, 
as amazing as he is to listen to, he's even better to watch. Like just the way that he sits behind a camera is really soothing. And so I highly recommend that you go follow him on Instagram and I'll make sure to link that in the show notes as well. And, uh, go get an earful and an eyeful of the journeyist Andrew Carruthers. Well, my friend, that wraps up this episode. And all I have left to say is thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And I'm happy to be your hair mentor. Until next time, my friend, have a wonderful hair day and I'll see you then. Okay, bye. Hey friend, Crystal here, and I've got something special for you that's too good to miss. Introducing the wildly popular Confident Conversations Bootcamp, where we unlock the three secret stylist skills that attract clients who pay. In just three classes, we'll transform how you communicate, connect, and turn every conversation in the salon into a formula for high-paying clients. It's not magic, it's mastery of words, presence, and the kind of confidence that turns heads. So why sign up? Because mastering these skills means more than just full books. It's about crafting a career that's as rewarding financially as it is creatively. We're talking quality clients who value your expertise and are happy to pay you for it. And the best part, it's completely free. You heard right. It's my gift to you, friend. So if you're ready to elevate your behind-the-chair game and attract the clientele you've always dreamed of, this boot camp is your first step. Spaces are limited, and trust me, friend, you don't want to miss out on this transformation. So head on over to www.yourhairmentor.com to secure your spot today. Let's make sure that your talent is undeniable and your chair the hottest ticket in town. Cheers to clients who pay and a career that slays. I cannot wait to see you at the Confident Conversations Bootcamp, my friend.